Sketch 5 of Zorra Boys at Home and Abroad, or How to Succeed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Blashford. Zorra Boys at Home and Abroad, or How to Succeed by William Alexander McKay. Sketch 5. Thomas Adams. Or The Great Shipowner of Detroit. A Zorra boy who dearly loves the old township, and whose great delight it is royally to entertain any of its people who give him the opportunity, is Mr. Thomas Adams of Detroit. In a recent letter to the writer, he says, The impressions made upon my young mind during the years I spent in Zorra, by contact with the practical, preserving, industrious, and self-denying character of the people of that time, have been my ideal through life, and to my Zorra education I attribute in great measure what success I have attained. Young men, whether remaining in their Zorra homes, or casting their lot in strange lands, will commit no mistake in making Zorra ethics of the forties their standard. Providence has been kind to Mr. Adams, entrusting him with a large amount of this world's goods, and seldom has wealth been committed to more worthy hands. A total abstainer, industrious, thrifty, and God-fearing, success in business was assured him from the start. At first he worked for a time in Colonel Dent's distillery, Embro, but he soon concluded that making whiskey was not the work for him. The event that brought him to this conclusion is worthy of note. A companion and fellow worker had recently moved from the distillery in Embro to that in Stratford. One morning he was found dead under circumstances that clearly indicated that he fell a victim to strong drink. Notice of his death reached Embro on Saturday, and he was to be buried the following Sunday. Thomas Adams, along with John Cody, Michael and Edward Brophy, and a few other young men, started early Sunday morning and walked from Embro to Stratford and back 32 miles in order to attend the funeral. The funeral service was conducted by the late Reverend Thomas Macpherson, who took occasion faithfully to admonish his hearers against intemperance, and quoted the scripture warning, "'No drunkard shall inherit the kingdom of God.' The sermon was a searching one, and together with the mournful occasion, made a deep impression on the minds of the young men from Embro. On the way home, says Mr. Adams, we discussed the whole matter, and some of us pledged ourselves to have nothing more to do either with the making or selling of whiskey. This determination in no small degree shaped my future career. Next day I informed my master that I was leaving the whiskey business. He tried hard to laugh me out of such a foolish notion, as he called it, but he did not succeed and to my firm decision on that occasion I trace, in a large measure, my success in life. Leaving Embro, he went to Buffalo, where he worked as a day-labourer. His wages were very small, but from the first he determined to lay aside a little for the rainy day, an example of the young men of today. From Buffalo he went to Detroit, where he apprenticed himself to a brass founder named Silas N. Kendrick. Mr. Kendrick was a man of generous spirit, and the relation between master and servant was a peculiarly happy one. Mr. Adams writes, My apprenticeship agreement with him was for 40 cents a day for the first year, 60 cents per day for the second, and 75 cents for the third. The second month of the first year I was paid 50 cents per day to the end of that year, at which time I reminded Mr. Kendrick of the beginning of the second year, expecting to be paid the 60 cents, according to the original agreement. He replied, after working hours this evening, come to the office. I expected to get a good fatherly talking to, as well as the sixty cents per day. Well, I got the first, after which he said, Thomas, how much do you think you are worth to me? I replied, I wish I was worth one dollar a day to you. After a few moments of silence, the cheering reply came, Thomas, you are worth it, and you shall be paid it. 
that moment continues mr adams inspired me with richer feelings than any event of subsequent years well would it be to-day if all masters and servants practised the golden rule like kendrick and adams having served his apprenticeship mr adams continued to work with mr kendrick as a journeyman until he was through his industry and thrift in a position to start in business for himself selling out the brass works he with two others purchased an interest in a sailing vessel then as financial conditions justified the company went on purchasing and building until their fleet consisted of nine steam and sail crafts sailing between duluth and cleveland buffalo etc at present mr adams is sole owner of the steamship adams capable of carrying one hundred thousand bushels of corn or three thousand tons of ore or coal and the contract building price of which was a hundred and thirty two thousand dollars mr adams has a retentive memory and he delights to relate the incidents and experiences of old lang syne some of which we will here give speaking of the kind self-sacrificing spirit which so generally characterized the pioneer fathers he says no one could be more earnest in that direction than mr j cody father of mr e cody of embro who when the village doctor refused to personally administer relief to cholera-stricken sufferers did all that lay in his power for them knowing well the danger involved the exposure resulted in his death he laid down his life for others he was as great a hero and showed as much moral courage as any canadian lad whose blood has drenched african soil mr mervyn cody brother of john cody now living near sarnia in the eighty-fifth year of his age enjoying the calm evening of a religious life forms a link connecting the present and the past zorra some few years ago he favoured me says mr adams with a social call our conversation turned upon those of embro who had gone to their eternal rest in our minds we started on a walk through commissioner street which was then in eighteen forty four all there was of the village beginning at mr laycock's mill we questioned ourselves about as follows where was mr laycock answer dead where was theron hallock answer dead and so on through the street asa saunder john d dent john cody donald mackay mr rust big and little angus mackay walsh taft gordon john mackay young and others whom i cannot now call to mind all dead very few of that period now remain boys then as now were sometimes unmindful of the exclusive rights of owners to their own melon patches that indiscrimination led to a raid by some embro boys on a bright moonlight night about eleven o'clock on mr mervyn cody's melon patch near the barn just as they were about to help themselves to the melons a dim light was seen in the barn subsequently a voice was heard in prayer the boys scampered and remained hid in and behind the shed until mr cody had gone from the barn to the house a consultation was then held by the boys with the resolve that mr cody's melons under the circumstances were not the kind of melons they wanted and they returned to embro not with the melons but with a good lesson that in after years i am constrained to think bore good fruit a few weeks after the attempted raid mr cody was in embro on learning this the boys in a bodie met him in his brother's blacksmith shop all feeling guilty and related to him the whole episode in his good nature he had a hearty laugh over it and gave the boys a little wholesome advice telling them that they were welcome to go in the daytime and help themselves to his melons or to the fruit in his orchard End of sketch 5